This is Coda Radio, episode 468 for May 30th, 2022. Good looking and welcome back to Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development in the world of technology. My name is Chris, and toughing it out like the pro podcaster he is, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. What's up? Questionable restaurant food is still questionable. No. Food poisoning? So you and I talked earlier. I'm hoping it's not the Rona. That's one of the things with the new Rona, I've heard. I've heard. Mm-hmm. You know the new improved Rona? <laughs> well, if it is Rona, this would be round three, which I think is unfair. Seriously, three? Totally unfair. Totally unfair. Although I was just telling you, I do know a couple of people who are on round three right now. I'm drinking tonic without the gin just to settle my stomach. Must taste weird. All right? Like when you always have a drink with alcohol in it, and then you go to drink it without alcohol, it's, it totally tastes weird. It's much sweeter <laughs> than, I, than I would have thought. Yeah. So. <laughs> Well, you got to get healed up because, you know, next week's uh, game week. It's big. It's a big week next week. WWDC, the only developer conference that has any hype. Let's apple it up. Yeah. But we don't have to worry about that right now. This week, this week, we're going to uh, we're just going to put that out of our minds for a little bit. We're going to focus on some feedback. Uh, Nuclear Nick writes in and he says that work from home study smells a little suspicious. He says you guys recently discussed a study which concluded that the developer productivity is not hampered by remote work. I agree with you guys. That is complete BS. I work at a medium-sized fintech that offered three days remote per week as an option. On any given day, there would be at least 20 engineers in the office. The amount of incidental learning, impromptu brainstorming, etc., was just unbelievably satisfying. Things like, it looks like you're stuck. Do you need a rubber duck? Could I get your thoughts on this tricky problem? And other things like, what are you folks busy with? Oh, I have seen this before. And more than just these, there was just no way a junior dev could have possibly had the same experience onboarding as before if he's remote. Love the show. Keep up the great work. Nuclear Nick. I know you're done talking about remote work, but they just keep bringing it back. I know. And I, I think the, the part about junior devs uh, mentoring is super strong, right? That's, that's definitely, it's just not the same. You touched on that, and I think it's your strongest point. We did get some emails in that also are like, you know, by the way, it's, really great for people with accessibility issues to work from home. Like there's a big perk there and I get that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So there's, yeah. All right. So um, I just thought that was interesting to add to the conversation. I feel like we've talked it to death. So moving on, Donald's writing in. He wrote in years ago, years ago, looking for guidance. He says, hello, Chris and Mike, a longtime fan, been listening since season one. I like the idea of calling the first run of the show season one. Ooh, season one. I like it a hell of a season though what was that like <laughs> yeah. all right but i'll take it i'm with you donnie i'm with you <laughs> he says i wrote back in 2012 2013 about my anxieties about finding a job while i was studying at a university mm. since then i graduated and i have been working as a software engineer for seven years give me a give me a bell give me a bell <laughs> yeah, i know right do it coda radio success story right here donald he says, you were right. There was work to be found. However, like a lot of software engineers, I find the anxiety never really goes away. Hearing about GitHub Copilot, GPT-3, and other automated code generators, whatever you want to call them, uh, how do we just stay relevant to make sure we won't be out of a job in, say, three to five or ten years down the line? Love the show. Keep up the new work. So he just went from worrying about one thing to the next. But it is a common question we get. No, dog, I get you. Um, so my new fiance has introduced me to hip-hop. Not my genre of choice. Okay. But 
Uh, there's a song, and somebody will put it in the chat room because I know I'm sure you guys love it. It's uh, you know, we, the, you was coding to st- it's rapping, but you was coding to just for the hell of it. Now you're coding to stay relevant. That's the challenge, right? You did it for fun. It was your hobby, and now. You know, all the big boys are. I, I, I just want to say, when I started my business, my software consulting business, I never thought that Price Waterhouse Cooper, the giant accounting firm, would be a competitor. Uh, but they certainly are. <laughs> they just opened an office here in Tampa for technical consulting for dev, basically. It's 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 just the way it is, Don. You're gonna be you're gonna be chasing this dragon forever, and. Yeah, I mean, as people have realized how important this stuff is, they're trying to make tools to lower their economic costs, right? Although I, I will say, GitHub Copilot, I would, I damn yeah, no, that's not gonna. Don't worry about that. Yeah, it feels like as time goes on, it's less of a threat and more of a technology demo, right? I feel like it's dumb. <laughs> Maybe I'm just mean. I just think it's stupid. <laughs> it's a waste of resources. No, I I, I agree. I, it does seem like it's sort. Of, I I think it's a show off piece, right? It's a yeah. It's like look how epic we are. And would you like some Azure? Please, please buy some Azure. Harold, uh, he spots shenanigans and he writes in about it. And he writes, remember me? I told you about Brew's successor, T, the package manager that raised a lot of money and has some Web3 lingo in it. Well, guess what? The lingo, it spreads. It's been picked up by JFrog, Docker, and Oracle and some others. Check out, I'm going to say Pyrasia. I don't know, actually. I'm just, (laughs) this sounds so dumb. I think it's Pyrasia. Yeah, I know. I was trying to think of like Parasite or something like a play on that, but it's P-Y-R-S-I-A dot I-O. Pizra. It's got to be Pizra. Pizra, yeah. They pitch themselves as the decentralized package network, the open source software that helps protect the open source supply chain. Here's what they say it does. So JFrog and other open source technology leaders, including Docker, DeployHub, FutureWay, and Oracle, work together to establish Project Pariah, to network and validate the sources and security of open source software packages. It aims to seamlessly integrate with the package management systems to develop that developers are already using today. So they're going to integrate somehow with package managers that developers already use today. So that way they say they can certify their software components without foregoing compatibility, security, or efficiency. And to help developers and guide them on the process of using this to validate their software components, a select few entities will build and publish images that will be available for everyone's use, otherwise known as bootstrapping the project. What the hell are they talking about, dude? I can't put it together. I have no idea. I I think this is all just nonsense, right? Cashing in on what I'm hoping is the end of the VC drunken bender. So Google just recently announced that for Google Cloud customers, they're going to offer repos of common popular open source projects that they vetted. So Google, like, it, it checks the project out. It runs it through all of their internal, which is a litany of tests that they use, validates that it's secure, and then posts it up for Google Cloud users to use. And I wonder if this isn't, like, a response to that, if this isn't these companies getting together. What really throws this sideways for me is the fact that Oracle's in there. I'm not going to lie. It feels like there's got to be like some sort of weird blockchain angle to this that they're just not telling us about because they talk consistently about how important the open source supply chain is and how it's a critical issue and how they got to secure it. Well, but it, 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 it's not just fear mongering to make, you know, a buck, right? 
Could be. We've had some stories. What was that kid a couple weeks ago or months ago who intentionally borked his own package just to screw with people he didn't like? Yeah. And we've had we've had bugs in other libraries. I, I feel like, you know what? Silicon Valley, right? The sales lady tells uh, tells the CEO of Pied Piper, uh, corporations are pussies. They are, right? If you could tell them it's a security thing, it's a liability thing, they'll basically hand you money. Yeah. This is a money grab. It's a money grab while while the free money building's falling down, right? They ran in, they got a little money, and they're running out, possibly. All right, I'll go with that. And then I'll mention that the uh, this London meetup we talked about last week, I think this thing's happening. Mm. I think it's happening. 55 people are now signed up. Cheerio, bitches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's happening. 55 people have signed up. And uh, I think it's still getting sorted out, but there's a great opportunity to get involved and start talking with people get uh, some plans. There's already comments uh, trickling in. So London Meetup Provisional with Alex from Self Hosted and the community Saturday, August 6, 2022. Mike and I won't be there, but one day, one day I hope we get out there. That's right. We have to get even with those bastards, those redcoats, for what they did to us in the Revolutionary War. You know, my thought is with that is maybe they were right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know what? I'll take it. God save the queen. <laughs> Linode.com slash coder. Go there to get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account, and you go there to support the show. Linode is fast, reliable cloud hosting, perfect for developers. You got to try it for your next project. It's what we use for everything we've deployed in the last couple of years. I was using it last night, deploying a new server, and I always love doing that because there's always something new to try. This time, we were putting NixOS on our Linode, something we want to experiment with, and they have a handy guide that they updated uh, semi-recently to help us figure it all out. It took us a little bit because we tried to do it the hard way, <laughs> and then we realized there's actually a much simpler way to do it. That's what's so great about Linode is it's one-click deployment stuff if you want something just, just really approachable. I'm talking like a lot of common open source and free software applications, GitLab, Jitsi, Zoom killer type stuff. You know, just really good productivity apps like NextCloud and a bunch of gaming stuff and all kinds of stuff for developer backend tools that I'd never really mentioned on the show, but they're all there. They're worth checking out. It's a great way to support the show too. But you can get all the way down to the metal if you want. And that's what I love about Linode. They let you go as far as you want. Plus they got 11 data centers around the world. Fantastic performance. And I hear that the support is great. I've never really had any trouble. Their documentation's always really been able to cover anything I needed. One time when I was creating like a monster server, they're like, contact support and let us know what you're doing. And that was a great experience. But I'll have in the show notes, I'll have a link to a white paper. It's really an ebook. It's not a white paper. It's an ebook that Linode has published. It's, it's a free ebook that covers infrastructure as code. And it's, it's a step-by-step guide and a high-level look at Terraform, Ansible, Puppet, Chef, and Salt. If you're kind of curious if there's something maybe from one of these tools or a couple of these tools combined that you could use to make your infrastructure better, maybe a little more consistent, a little easier to deploy, a little quicker to deploy, more consistent backend infrastructure, this ebook's pretty good. I've gotten some great feedback last time I mentioned this on the show. So I'm going to give it another plug. Go learn about Terraform and Ansible and Puppet, Chef, and Salt in Linode's Infrastructure as Code ebook. We'll have a link in the show notes. Totes free. Don't even need to give them your info. You just... I'll have a link directly to it in the show notes. And they've got all kinds of great resources like that over at Linode, including a weekly security digest and all kinds of stuff that just covers the industry in the nuts and bolts stuff. So if you're in the space, it's something you need to know about. Linode's all over it. It's part of the job. It's all just part of what makes them a great host. Go check them out, support the show, and try something. 
go learn something. Linode.com slash coder. So Build 2022 was last week, and there was some things. There was some things. But probably the, the thing that I thought would be the most interesting to chat with you about is how Microsoft seems to be really going in on Project Volterra, which is this ARM-based mini PC designed for Windows developers. It's going to have a Qualcomm Snapdragon in there. And they're making a big stink about the fact that it has a neural processing unit. In fact, Microsoft's going to build some facilities into Windows. Microsoft Surface Pro X has the SQ1, which was co-developed by Qualcomm as well. Like they're really going all in on NPUs. And Microsoft said in a quote, one of their uh, devs, or actually he's an EVP, they expect NPUs, neural processing units, to be built into most, if not all future devices, phones, desktop, servers, everything. And we're going to make it easy for developers to leverage these new capabilities by baking support for NPUs into the next end-to-end Windows platform. That's nice. It doesn't matter. No? Nope. Yeah, the M1 will always be better for the foreseeable future. This might not be shocking, but the developers who don't use Windows, which I think are frankly a lot of them and a good percentage of our audience here, aren't not using Windows because they really need a neural processor. They're not using Windows because it's goddamn Windows. I agree with you there. I feel like when you got Apple and Microsoft really pushing neural processing stuff on their platforms, I think you will actually see it take off. See, I disagree that it doesn't matter because I don't think the neural processor has made much of a difference. They both have the same problem. New? No, they're proprietary. Ah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So if if I'm selling a customer some, and we do it all the time, right? We have the folks in Canada, we have Raspberry Pis and Surface tablets. But, you know, the big problem with the Surface tablets is that they're Windows. Yeah. Same thing with anything Apple-powered, right? iPads are great, Except, oh my God, code signing is a bitch and you have to deal with Apple's nonsense. And, you know, somebody might get a new MacBook and, oh, you didn't save the private key and now you can't code sign. Now you got to reinstall the app manually. I, I agree, I guess, that neural processing is going to be important, but it's going to be important on BSD or Linux, right? It's not going to be, no one's going to be out there selling, except for like the super high end, people that don't care about the licensing and restrictions. Microsoft and Apple devices. Now, I'm going to twist this on you a little. To me, the real the real sadness is iPads could dominate the enterprise if Apple would just let go of their restrictions on uh, self-published app deployment. Right? It it just needs to be open. You just need to be able to like write an app, install it on a bunch of devices, and not have to do the code signing. Not have to. Oh, you have more than a thousand people. Well, now you have to. You know, do you, what is it they require the enterprise sort of, I forgot the, they have a name for the certificate. There's like a certification process and you have to renew it every year. And it's just, ugh. you know, so an iPad dies, you get a new iPad. Now you have to deregister one. It's a whole manual, terrible process. I agree. I think it's still fascinating from uh, how's it going to compare to the M1 or really potentially since WWDC is next week, how's it going to compare to the M2? So that's going to be fascinating. What's it like? Because you're going to be able to run desktop applications on this thing. You're going to be able to run IDEs. You're going to be able to do a comparison of what it feels like to use these applications on these two different platforms. Oh, I agree with you. And, you know, I'm not saying that Microsoft does everything wrong. How's Maui going? 
Did we mention Maui? <laughs> no, check that check that box off. Also, um, may I have my forty thousand dollars back for Windows Phone, please? You know what's funny to me about this? So you're kind of touching on it. Doesn't it kind of feel like part of what Build was about and part of what Google I.O. was about was bringing back old stuff they've tried before that didn't work? Because along along with this ARM box, right, they announced, oh, and yeah, we're going to get Visual Studio 2022 ported to ARM. We're going to get Visual Studio Code. We're going to get Windows Terminal. Wasn't it 2019 that was supposed to work on ARM? Am I Am I mistaken? I feel like that was a promise. Yep, you're right. And now they're saying, but now, and Teams, of course, you got to get Teams on ARM. We're going to get all of this, and it's... I, I went to the mechanic today. They called me. They won another $1,000 because they uh, can't do anything correctly. <laughs> yep. But these new Firestone tires I'm buying come with Teams for free and Office 365. Hey, yeah. Comes bundled with a year of Teams. Teams can run, apparently, on everything. Petrified rubber... My son's butt when he's pooping. Teams is there. It's there, He man. can send an emoji, a poop emoji. <laughs> you know, and if you need to store your files, you can do that too. Let's, let's, let's be honest. Don't we all need to be in a team? I want to be part of a team. I'm a, you know. See? They should have called it Tribes. No. <laughs> also, they mentioned they're doing the move that Apple did where uh, they're going to reach out to different Python projects and LLVM and other pr- large infrastructure projects to try to get them to port their stuff over to this Windows ARM platform. Microsoft following Apple since 1982. Well, if you don't like buying hardware, Microsoft also announced the Microsoft DevBox, a cloud service that includes applications and services designed for developers to quickly access pre-configured developer workstations. It's built on top of the foundations of Windows 365. The DevBox will work via any modern browser. It supports integrated IDEs software development kits or any other tool that you could run on top of windows and they pitch it to the uh, ctos out there to the boss man as the microsoft dev box lets teams create and maintain dev box images with all the tools and dependencies their devs need to build and run their applications teams can include their application source code and nightly built binaries enabling devs to immediately start running and understanding the code without having to wait for long rebuilds you're going to make your team more efficient now. Stop buying them Thaleos and MacBooks and start just giving them a web browser with a Microsoft dev box. It's not going to happen. No? I mean, this could be perfect for a guy like you. You know, you don't have, you don't even have to wait now for the hardware to arrive. Supply chain issues. Yeah, but it requires them to have a good internet connection and we live in America. <laughs> um, of course, because it's Microsoft too, you're going to be able to manage it with things like Intune and Microsoft Endpoint Manager. So I, the idea is IT admins could mass provision these things and the public preview will be available in the next few months. No, I mean, this is cool for the enterprise, but for little guys like us, I mean, do you know that every employee you hire in Alabama has a good internet connection? No, yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it is probably more common in the high when you're hiring for a high for a high tech industry. It's probably more common that they have a good connection. I know we have listeners out there that are working on the daily in a cloud based session. Maybe it's Citrix. Maybe it's something else. Oh, well, we had the cloud nine, right? We talked about cloud nine. People just literally their IDE is a cloud IDE in Safari or Chrome or whatever. I want to get some real world impressions. Send us an email or send us a boost. Boost in and let us know how is working in the cloud. Like in a remote cloud session, how is it day to day? Have you had issues? Is this something people are interested in? Because I'm so disconnected from the Windows world, I don't really know. But to me, 
I, I can only see the value in a scenario where you actually have people coming into the office and then they remote into this occasionally from home and they get the same environment. But in the office, you could actually ensure that they have the right equipment, they have the right connection, and then they have a remote session if they need it to work from home. Couldn't they just use a laptop then, though? Like they have, they take their laptop home with them and, right, it's the same thing. Yeah, I think this is maybe the effort to replace replace the laptop. You know, I think corporations like it because it keeps all your data behind their wall. Well, right. You fire somebody, you just flip a switch, you literally a toggle under their name and they're gone, right? And they can't touch it. And that's going to be handy if over the summer, right? <laughs> Not to be crass about it, but uh, there is an element of being able to just turn it off. Yeah. And all your data is safe. All your secrets. Tailscale.com slash coder. Go there to get a free personal account for up to 20 devices. And of course, you support the show. Tailscale is a zero config VPN. It installs on any device in minutes. In fact, if you haven't put it on all your devices yet, go take five minutes and get it going. That's legit all you're going to need to get Tailscale up and connected and build your own flat decentralized network. I was building something sneaky this weekend, something I didn't want to put out there publicly yet. But I wanted to be able to get the DNS right and make sure the web app was resolving. Actually, I wanted to set everything up, even like email notifications about new accounts, all of that. And I was doing it all behind Tailscale this weekend. It's a WireGuard-powered mesh VPN that is absurdly quick and simple to get up and going. You're really going to be impressed. Uh, when I hear about friends struggling getting WireGuard up and going or getting OpenVPN up and going, I just... I just tell them about Tailscale. <laughs> it's an always-on VPN. They're super clever about the routing. They'll support DNS if you want to go that direction. And you can get it up for free for 20 devices when you go to tailscale.com slash coder. I have it running on just about everything I own, really. From my iOS devices to my Raspberry Pis running Arch and OpenSUSE. I have it on my VPSs. I have it on VMware. I have it on Proxmox. I've got it on a machine that's just running in boxes. <laughs> Like all of them, right? It's so, so perfect for my needs. I didn't even really appreciate it at first. Initially, I just kind of thought it was, oh, I'll get to my web apps. Oh, I can do support for my family. And then I just kept building on top of that. I think you will too. And you can use it for free up to 20 devices when you go to tailscale.com slash coder. They also write on their blog about how they keep that plan sustainable. So those free plans don't compete with the paid plans. They have a lot of long-term thinking in their planning. And I like that too. Go try them out and support the show tailscale.com slash coder. Well, your dreams may be coming true because Cydia, Cydia, their creator, may have a little success with their antitrust lawsuit against Apple because Apple has just lost a bid to dismiss the antitrust lawsuit filed against it by Jay Freeman, the creator of the alternative app store known as Cydia or Cydia, I can't remember, for jailbroken iPhones and iPads. He sued in late 2020 alleging that Apple had an illegal monopoly over iOS app distribution through the App Store. His complaint also alleged that Apple consistently tried to snuff out alternative app stores and uh, indicates there was a specific changes that were made between 2018 and 2021 that were overt acts designed to harm iOS app stores. And according to the report, the lawsuit seeks to open the market for iOS app distribution and iOS app payment processing to those who wish to compete fairly with Apple. And he hopes to recover enormous damages Apple caused by, uh, you know, removing them. And um, Apple tried to get this whole thing just tossed out. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Let's get rid of it, Apple said. They were momentarily successful, but it has been dismissed and the antitrust lawsuit is back on. 
Well, the motion the motion to dismiss was dismissed, right? Not yes. not not the case. Yeah. So the case, I guess, the way to put it is, the case isn't back on. The case may proceed. Right. Right. Apple attempted to stop it. Right. This and anybody who's ever been to court, which I sincerely hope you never have to go, but <laughs> the opening move is usually let's try to dismiss this. Right. Get rid of everybody. This. Everybody. It's, it's like a it's like a two page motion. They file it. It's great. I'm not a lawyer. Get the hell out of here. But children, are we ready? Do we? Is he? Is Mr. Kane here? Oh yeah. You want you want to tell us a little story? Stay a while and listen. City is gonna lose. They're gonna lose because all this antitrust crap requires you to define the market. And as our brother in Christ, Tim Sweeney, learned the hard way, the market isn't iPhone distribution for apps, and the market is software. So you have alternatives. You can buy a piece of phone called an Android device that mines your data and treats you like crap. You can be like me and hold on to your purple HCC Windows Phone 8 and cry and shake. God damn it, it was so good. And be sad. You can be like that guy who now works at Google after leaving The Verge, Dieter, and weep over your webOS device. But the reality is, the way the laws are written, and I feel pretty confident in saying this, Apple is going to win. Because you can't just be like Apple being a B is not, you know, the market is software. I think the game question is interesting, although the city is not going for the games, but like Epic brought up the, well, it's game development, but the consoles have the same structure in their business deals. So, yes. Also, Cydia doesn't have that much money. And Apple is, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're a little shop out of California. Uh, I hear they have some coins in the bank. This is the thing. This is what I was going to say. Apple could afford to just bleed them. They will bleed them. Right. They're going to file motion after motion. So for our younger audience, IBM used to do this to people all the time, right? They would have these lawsuits that got filed against them, and they would just file. What, what, what was it? What was the guy's name? The quote, Chris. Black in the sky with frivolous motions just to bleed them. <laughs> Remember, it was like like they, they, used to, they used to call the IBM lawyers the Nazgul, like the, the, which, for those who don't know, are the bad guys in Lord of the Rings, the, the dark guys, you know, the hooded folks with the swords that are running around looking for Frodo. The, like, that's the kind of that they're going to do because they've done it before. <laughs> they continue to do it. Just to your point, though, about Android being a total dumpster fire that spies on its users. Nice. Two days ago, as we record, Microsoft announced that they found several secure bugs in Android apps multiple CVEs, one, two, three, four CVEs. And the best part is, and they write right here, the vulnerable apps have millions of downloads on Google Play Store. They come pre-installed as system applications on devices bought by AT&T, TELUS, Rogers Communications, Bell Canada, and Freedom Mobile. On top of that, they were straight up available in the Google Play Store, and they went through Google Play's Protect automatic safety checks the safety checks weren't checking for these issues. And because the a lot of the apps that were installed by the via the image actually had system level privileges. So this actually led to all kinds of problems because the apps had root access and you can only remove them if you have root access. Oh my and Lord. the only way to update them is to ship a new image to the device. Oh, so you wipe the device. Unless you installed it via the Play Store somehow, then you can update it via the Play Store. Yeah, you know, it's it's we, we talk about it sideways, but we never really hit the heart of this. The level of dumpster fire that Android is, especially tablets, they're going back to tablets. Are they nuts? I mean, I would love Android to win 
just so I don't have to deal with code signing for enterprise deployments. But God damn, it's so... Have you used a modern Android tablet? I've only used recently the Fire tablets, and they are garbage. No, you got to you gotta use the big ones, even the nice ones, the Samsung ones. The apps, they're just... No one is programming thinking of a tablet display. That's the thing. There's not a big enough user base. Yeah, and it's it, they just... It's crap. I mean, it's it's just terrible. Whoo. Yeah. And the thing is, is like for people listening to this show, they're savvy enough that they can navigate this stuff. They could put their own you know, lineage on there or they can patch it or they get a pixel or they get a high end Android device. But we all have family members or friends or acquaintances that are not savvy with this stuff. And they end up getting the really crappy Android devices. And it's and let's be honest, they're playing Angry Birds, too, and they're fine. All right. Let's shift gears. Let's talk about the other monster in the room. It looks like we are getting some pretty solid pre-WWDC leaks. And Reality OS has been trademarked by Apple. They tried to trademark it overseas. And then they also have a foreign filing date of June 8th, which is right around WWDC. Two days after WWDC. Mm -hmm. And they have another filing on the U.S patent office website with a deadline of June 9th, 2022. Reality OS. What do you think? You think we're going to get a mixed reality device from Apple this year? No, I think it's an extension of AR kit. I mean, would they even release a device? No, right? This would be start building at WWC. Yeah, this is like, we've added these APIs. I mean, I think this could be an opportunity for our listeners, myself included. But there's going to be no headset, no visor, nothing like that. Yeah. I mean, maybe later this year? A couple of years. The only thing that gives me pause is they really like to compete with Facebook. Well, they personally hate each other, so. Yes. And, you know, the Oculus 3 is about to come out. So if they want to, you know, get a jump start, I mean, that's, that's, that's almost like the perfect, that's almost the way Apple does it, right? A couple of years, a couple of revisions of the Android version. And then they come out right around the Android versus getting to version, version three. They come out with their fully baked product generally. I, I just don't see it. I think it's too soon given Apple's propensity for, you know, a thin design, one taking forever. And also, I I mean, OK, this is nerdy. I've been reading a lot about lithium ion batteries because that's what people do when they are psychologically disturbed. <laughs> it, I, I just I don't see it like like an actual AR headset that you would want to wear. Right, that does things that make sense. The battery technology isn't there at the at the size you need it to be, right? Yeah, not without multiple charging in a day, right, for a device like that? Right, 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 right. Yeah, I see where you're going. I'm talking about you put your VR glasses on at 7 a.m., you come home from work at 6, you know, you take them off when you have your nightcap. That's not possible. I agree, although I could see Apple setting the benchmark for that at like the AirPods. They'll last as long as your AirPods last kind of a thing, which anybody who's been in meetings all day know it's like, you know, it's like four hours, five hours, maybe if you're lucky, right? They'll last as long as your AirPods, perhaps. And everybody seems to be fine with that. So maybe that's what they'll do. But yeah, I think no device next week. If anything, an expansion on AR and maybe hardware. The rumor mill is clucking pretty hard about M2 hardware, updated Macs, things like that. We could see any, we could see things like that coming out next week. I suppose you know those kinds of things. It doesn't really matter until it happens. You got 
the keynote, June 6th. Do you think it's at 10 a.m.? So what's that's two hours earlier than we normally start. Should we live stream it? Should we just get together after it's we probably should just get together after it's done, huh? You know what we should do? We should do it after the keynote when they're doing actual announcements. Because the keynote, you know, they do their touchy-feely crap about, you know, whatever. And then you got the State of the Union at 1 p.m., which is usually about an hour after after we start recording. I'm super curious about the M2. Like, is it just going to be more cores? I got to be honest with you. I'm loving my M1 MacBook Air. I have absolutely no reason other than my sudden eyes ability to destroy things. Um, yes, I'm blaming the child. <laughs> I kind of want an M2. Like I just wanted to, because I, I'm sitting in front of my iMac Pro, and I will admit that I'm, frankly, I'm disappointed in it. it. It's not as powerful as the MacBook Air, which is the most shameful thing it can be. <laughs> I don't know. I think the next couple years of this industry are going to be, in terms of chips, competing with the M series processors. I think where Apple is still lagging, and the x86 world still has them lapped is the higher-end GPU area. And so that's an area where the M2 could really kind of compete, you know? No, that's fair. That's fair, right? Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I don't think there's much they could announce that would get me to crack open the old pocketbook. It's Things are tight these days. Oh, same. It's going to be a big problem, Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, I'm not. I mean, the M2 would have to, like, literally make me a martini, be purple, and because, you know, on brand. Yeah, for, I, I couldn't even imagine. I actually can't think of the case where I would buy it, to be honest with you. I can't either. I mean, we may eat these words. Apple is particularly good at, at convincing us that we need the new stuff. <laughs> As both of us are hard <laughs> typing our credit card numbers in live on the air next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it has happened. But I'm just thinking with the economy and the overall bear market conditions and how it's like, you know, cutting back. Like I just spent 60 bucks this morning filling up my tiny little golf with gas, right? I got a little VW golf and I'm putting 60 bucks, 62 bucks worth of gas in there. Tell me about it, brother. Tell me. Yeah. It's just like things are just tight right now. But here's what I think I'll do. Is I think I'll, I'll stream it on JupyterTube, which is our PeerTube instance. I cannot stream the WWDC stream anywhere else or else I get in serious copyright trouble. Do you really? Yeah. It's so dumb because it's... T they don't want their own freaking press event to be covered? Apple does it. Apple abuses copyright law to force people to tune into their stream so you get it directly from them. But the reality is commentary on a news event is 100% fair use. Yeah, that's fair use. <laughs> yeah. But the bots don't care. The bots don't care about fair use. They just shut your... In fact, the, the biggest trouble are... YouTube channel ever got in and it's still in trouble right now. It won't it won't clear until next week is when I streamed WWDC last time and they they put me in the doghouse forever. So I'm just going to do it at, at jupiter.tube. I've got a, a new instance I've set up and I'll just stream it there and just mostly have it playing so that way I I have commentary ready for coder, you know. And then we'll we'll get connected at our regular time. We'll do the show, we'll cover it. And uh you know, if anything relevant happened, we'll talk about it. Otherwise, we'll just focus on other stuff. It's I, I, I think something cool is going to happen. I actually am optimistic. Here's what I'd like to ask is if you're watching WWDC live next week, open up your new podcasting app and send us a boost in with your thoughts. So that way we can get super fresh boosts about WWDC. I want your WWDC take in a boost, which means you're going to have to have this week's app. Pause it before the music is done at the end. So that way it's ready in your podcast player. Open up and send us a boost. So that way we can get super fresh boosts into the show. I mean, you could send us a boost anytime, too. We love your boost. But I think that'd be pretty neat to get people's live reaction on that kind of stuff. Because, you know, I'd like to know how people take it. Because Mike and I have our opinions, but 
Not everybody sees it the same way. Boostergram. Speaking of boosts, Freak sent in uh, 15,000 sats. And he says, here's some sats for your Mexican dentist. <laughs> Thank you. I am, I am looking. I, I have a hole. I cracked a tooth. And I realize I actually have another tooth that needs a problem, has a problem. I got all kinds of dental issues. So uh, right now I'm looking into local dent- dentist clinics because they have like membership options and they want to like they'll work with you on payments. So I'm looking into that. But I am also considering the Mexican dentist. So I appreciate it. Freak. Actually, I appreciate it more than people probably realize because I get messages like that when they come in. It's like, you know, we really do have a great audience. Like, yeah, whatever happens, sure. we have a great audience. So uh, Cyan Deer boosted in with 5,000 sats two days ago. And he says, I don't know what your problem is, Chris. Teeth are just luxury bones. <laughs> wow, that's a little rough, but I'll take it. I know. Uh, the Golden Dragon, a frequent booster, he comes in with... My favorite dragon, by the way. <laughs> you don't like the Yellow Dragon, huh? No, the Yellow Dragon made a, made a poor merge into Dev, and uh, we're fighting. <laughs> well, okay. The Golden Dragon likes to uh, boost in with a row of ducks. It's 2222. Two, two, two. If you type that into a calculator, it looks like a row of ducks. Row of ducks. Damn it, Chris, don't play that if my kids harass. I will have five hours of goddamn DuckTales. <laughs> I know, it's it's so great. Uh, he says, I do love me some bacon, and that HP acquiring System 76 was crispy. Thanks for the show as usual. You know what, my, my draconic friend? I believe that. I have no inside information, but I that is my bacon from now until the Ren Fair. I believe it. This Dev 1 development is really interesting. They're going to buy them up like a fat kid buying a Twinkie. <laughs> DPG boosts in six days ago with 500 sats says uh, hey Chris and Mike I know you guys have talked a lot about Heroku in the past but with the recent crop of Heroku as dead articles have you guys checked out fly.io I just recently spun a GoBot up there and it was actually a breeze thanks love the pod so it's fly.io deploy app servers close to your users are you familiar with this thing? I am I don't use it uh, I did a look at it I ended up just using sticking with Doku and Docker containers, but it looks like a fine Heroku alternative. It's definitely a little more modern. So, yeah. Yeah, I like it. I actually, I think it looks really great. It looks like it's super quick to get up and going, too. Yeah, well, they, they have really good guides, too. If you're using, like, a stack that's not cray-cray, you know, I don't know, like, if you have, like, a Rails app or, a you know, a Flask app, you could deploy that in seconds. It's It's good stuff. Red Greenery Factor uh, boosts in with 500 sats five days ago. Boost. I'm a longtime listener coming in with my first boost. Congratulations, Red Green. I enjoy your guys' perspective on the market and current events and would appreciate more unfiltered show type content. I think you both have a unique perspective. We also got a boost from uh, PL Trent, who said he'd also be up for an unfiltered crossover. So maybe we got to put that on the schedule sometime. Let our powers combine. <laughs> exactly. A middle-aged dev boosted in with our last one. Uh, actually, no, second to last one with 500 sats. He says, my two sats worth after hearing the note from Dan last week, who was sick of hearing about podcasting 2.0. Uh, if you're tired of boosts, I think what you ought to do is collate the user feedback. You probably already do this and then only mention the boost amounts when they're notably large, like, you know, 50,000 sats or more. And he says, you know, you could also mention I only spent 500 sats to say this. Yeah, I was going to say, hmm. <laughs> He says, also, you could mention to Dan that there are chapters, so he could skip past the boost easily, but he may have to get a new podcast app. That's true. We do have chapters. So just I just want to say, middle-aged dev, mm-hmm. perhaps there's another way to contribute. Perhaps, you know, it's cold. Winter is coming. 
in the mornings when you're having your coffee. And if you're Mike, your first bourbon of the day. Sure. You don't want to get dressed yet because you still have to shave and shower. Yeah. But like you don't want to walk out in your boxers because your dong will be flapping about. Right. You want to be a gentleman about it. Something, I don't know, Chris, something you could wear. It's like black, maybe. And it's like really comfy. Yeah. Something that could work on a casual day, could work when you're getting out of the shower, maybe on a work day. Maybe you're, it's your day off and you're smoking a cigar. Or if you're Chris, you, you have a, you have a, Freaking joint that's the size of a baseball bat. <laughs> what would you be wearing? Certainly not a dress because we, we don't we don't do that. Um, not a some s- sort of ceremonial garb. No, not yeah, not. jacket. Um, God, I'm not sure. Maybe you just got out of the bat a, a robe. Oh, a robe. Buy a robe. Yeah, we got to get those. Go- you know, we got to get those going again. You know, the right? robes are the best thing we've ever sold. I should say. I know. I know. It's great. The robes are the reason we do the show. So <laughs> we're really just looking for clothing here. We're we're poor. And we're still getting some access love, actually, if you can believe it. Oh Jesus Christ. Four score and seven boosts to go. S Thumbs X boosted in with a thousand sat saying, I love access. Still use it all the time. So there you go. And may God bless your soul. <laughs> yeah, really. We also got a thank you boost from Freak and uh from PL Trent again. So thank you everybody very much. Your direct support is very much appreciated. Boostagram. And you can get a new podcast app at newpodcastapps.com. Or if you don't want to switch podcast apps, but you want to boost, you can get the Breeze app and you can send them in. Also, thank you to our members, coderqa.co. You get the Coderly Report. You also get access to a version of the show with no ads. It's very nice. Plus, you're giving us direct support. So we get to do things like turn down all of the weekly emails we get offering us to do random sponsorships or payments to have somebody come on the show and tell you guys about some great framework they've created or whatever it is they're constantly trying to shill. We get to say no to all that stuff. And we get to pick sponsors we like to work with. And as a thank you, we give you that ad-free version. CoderQA.co, or if you want to support all the shows and get access to all the special editions for all the shows, ad-free and all of that, you can go to Jupiter.party. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you'd like to send the good people this week? Yeah, I guess. Go to DominicM.com. I might write a blog post on why you shouldn't uh, write in Swift or something. I don't know. I'll figure it out. You should. But first, you should get better. Yes. You know, focus on the healing. I'm, I'm sensing more Pepto in my future. We got a big show next week. I know. We got to get game ready. All right. Links to what we talked about today are over there at the coder.show slash the 468. That's the website. You also find our contact page. That's a big part of the show. We do like to hear from you. We got the subscribes over there. All that's just at coder.show. It's real simple. It's a website. You probably are familiar with those, so I don't got to explain much more. Uh, Live, we do the show on Mondays over at jblive.tv, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Streaming over at jupiter.tube next week for the WWDCs. And we'll just keep the stream rolling over there. This week's episode was streamed over there as well. You can always check it out after the fact. I don't know. We'll see. It's new. But I like it. And I like you. And I want to say thank you for listening. And I hope you tune in right back here next week. 